And welcome back, folks, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Our next guest, I'm going to tell you something. Um, I've got her bio right here. And let me tell you, um, I'm not even sure I can, I'm not even sure I'm going to read it. Uh, I'll just, actually, I'm going to use this one. You know what? I'm not going to read it because, let me just tell you, we, we have a, a, a genius with us. Uh, her name, Dr. Tori Lindemann, and uh, you can read about her. In fact, it's in her program description. A little bit about her, you can, it's on Infogram, Tori Moross Lindemann. Uh, she's also on LinkedIn. She's got, uh, her background is absolutely incredible. And I mean that in the literal sense of the word. Um, she was born in 1978 to, uh, in New York City to Greek immigrants. Um, actually, her father was a furrier and restaurateur. Uh, uh, and now, um, her mother was a bank manager, by the way. Um, she's got, in fact, we're going to let her tell you about her background because there's parts of the background that, well, we spoke earlier today. She was kind enough to take my call. And we spoke earlier today, and uh, I think we'll just let her talk about some parts of the background of her background. But with us is Dr. Tori Lindemann. Uh, Tori, thanks. Welcome to the Hackman Reporter on this topic of immigration. Yes, and thank you so much for having me. I've been um, following your show myself uh, because, unfortunately, uh, the best conversations are actually done on the darknet on IRC. Um, and, and now, I guess, um, as of 2015, uh, it's been more, uh, uh, I would say, socially acceptable to put out facts <laughs> uh-huh. because um, facts aren't um, are, are a problem because basically our news and any information that we have access to is mixed with fiction. So, you know, that's the best way to push something. Um, About me, yeah, uh, my parents were both immigrants. My father actually came to the United States when he was 13 on a boat um, and illegally, uh, went back to Greece and came back legally, um, was a furrier by trade, um, and met my mother in Greece. Obviously, they were from the same town. They got married, and then she migrated over. Both of them became American citizens. So I'm your typical Greek American, um, and if anyone knows what Greek Americans are like from New York, especially, we're a special type of breed. <laughs> um, I'm I'm extremely proud of my culture and heritage, but uh, you know I'm more proud for the country that I live in, which is uh, you know the only one in the world that is such a big melting pot. Um, but in the topic of immigration, this is where we have issues. But before I delve into that, um, yeah, uh, myself, I'm, I was a little bit smarter when I was a kid, I would say. I was very good at um, pretty much understanding uh, patterns. Uh, when I was um, in elementary school, I was part of um, this gifted program because uh, they used to give IQ tests randomly to children back then to identify potential 
bright students, I guess. Um, so I was actually attending high school classes as early as the first grade for math. Um, not so much because I was a great mathematician, but because I was great at pattern recognition. Um, I actually finished um, a program with John Hopkins in 1991, uh, I think was my certificate, or 92. Um, I actually had a full ride scholarship, but I couldn't go until I was 17. And, um, you know, after I finished high school, uh, at the age of 14, I went to Greece to hang out with my grandparents and I actually enrolled myself in high school there, too, because I was kind of bored. Um, and I was always a language person. By the age of um, 15, I was already speaking about four languages, reading and writing them, because uh, I found that fun. Um, I'm your typical nerd. <laughs> and um, I don't think typical fits in anywhere in your resume, in your background. i got to tell you. Well, you'll be surprised. There's a lot of us out there. I guess we don't. Uh, a lot of people like me out there that are passionate about what they do. And I, I was so impressed today with Donald Trump using my most favorite phrase that I say, a genius is not someone who just has a high IQ or great grades, as one would say in layman terms. Um, it's a person that works and it doesn't feel like work. You know, and that that's means, so true, isn't it? Yes. yes, and he said that today to the Boy Scouts. I was so proud that he's our president, just with the um, the inspiration that he was giving them and the advice that I got so late in my life. Uh, he gave it to them open-handedly, obviously, because he is a successful man, and a lot of people don't know this about Trump, but he's also mensed. Um, and, 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 but you know, the media... It sadly, depicts him otherwise. In fact, the opposite of that, uh, of course, our, our guest is Dr. Tori Lindemann, uh, Mensa uh, qualified, as well as Donald Trump. You know, and, and look how he's portrayed in the media. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead and continue. No, not at all, not at all. And you know, there's there Mensa's there are porn stars too. Believe it or not. True. Yes. Um. Yeah. You know, we just don't go on lists. We prefer not to. Um, or we just leave it out. It's um, it's something that I that I push because it doesn't mean that I'm smart. Kesha's a Mensa too, you know, the singer. Um, it's not. It doesn't mean that I'm better than you. It just means that I can do something in a different way than someone else. Kind of like what they've been trying to do with Common Core, but failed miserably. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah. So basically, I'll let you guys. Understand, I, I went through the military as a linguist and a cultural officer. Basically, my job was to um, interpret and manage interpreters and um, observe foreign interpreters. Um, I've been uh, very, very um, blessed with uh, travel all my life, and that's uh, from a very young age because of my parents, too. Um, <coughs> every summer... You know, once school was out, I'd be on a plane by myself headed off to Europe uh, so they could get rid of me for the summer. <laughs> um, but um, I can say one thing. Uh, what what I see reflecting back from my young age when joining the military, and I'd like to share it with a few people uh, because it's a little bit, huh, now that I say it. But at the time... Uh, I was, I didn't even, it just flew over my head. Um, 
I was at, in Athens, Greece, and I was attending the University of Indianapolis there and taking some courses because I had nothing to do. And I went to the American Embassy to renew my passport because, you know, um, under 18, every five years it expires, etc. So I went to renew my passport and handed in the documentation. I was just waiting in the waiting room when a gentleman in uniform approached me and started talking to me and was asking me if I ever thought of joining the military or anything like that. And I was kind of impressed, you know. Um, I, I felt uh, flattered as a little kid, you know, I'm like 16, that someone with his ribbons, he was fully decorated, I mean, he could have had ribbons on his forehead. That's how many he had. Wow. You know, he's sitting there talking to me, and, you know, he's like, so you speak Greek. I see that you were helping, you know, our workers out with the Greeks here. And I was like, yeah. It's, and he's like, what else do you speak, et cetera. So we got um, the conversation going, and within, like, a few minutes, I was in a little office on the side room and taking um, the crypto part of the ASVAB that they now don't pretty much give out. Uh-huh. And next thing you know, I have documents in my hand for my parents to sign, and I'm joining the Navy. <laughs> and, and, and folks, th- just think about what you just said, what uh, uh, Tori just said. Think about that. Go back and listen to that and think about that. Go ahead, Tori. This is fascinating. Yeah, so I just wanted people to see where I'm coming from with the things that I will say in regards to immigration. Um so for me at that time, I just thought, oh, maybe he thought, you know, my orange patent high, you know, platform trainers attracted him. I don't know. I was 16. Um, but now looking back on it, it was kind of weird, right? Because next thing you know, you know, I have these documents because I'm under 17, 18, um, but 17, I think it was the the age then, uh, to be allowed to get a waiver from my parents who I tricked to sign, by the way, I tricked. My father was a great businessman, my best friend, God rest his soul. Um, and, and um, you know, he could read, but if he was in a hurry, he's not really going to pay attention. Uh, same thing with my mother. I actually use a carbon copy on that one. <laughs> so I literally did. Um, so I tricked my parents into signing it. And the next thing you know, I'm being shipped out to Frankfurt, Germany, where I'm uh, undergoing MEPS and a full ASVAB, and then, you know, I'm having someone pitch me uh, 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 jobs, but they already knew what they wanted to give me. It's not like, I mean, looking back on it, they made me feel like I picked it, but I didn't. So, um, this, I is took, not, this is not your typical stuff, folks. Uh, by the way, these acronyms, people will know what they are. The right people will know what they are as well. I mean, right, because. Yes, they, you know, they were throwing, you know, certain positions, and I kind of thought, ooh, you know, I'd like to be an OS or an EW. They were like, no, maybe you want to be this. And I was like, Why? yeah, because you'll wear civilian clothes, you'll be in embassies, you'll use your languages, and we'll train you in more. And they made it very attractive. I kind of felt like it was James Bonzi, you know, at 16. Mm-hmm. You get an offer like that, you're like, hey, yeah, traveling around the world, not having to wear uniforms all the time. I kind of like that. And um, I swore in. And, 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 and folks, you getting this? I mean, what, what she just said, what Tori just said, James Bonzi. Okay, are we on the same page now, everybody? Go ahead, Tori. So, um, 
So basically, that was how I entered um, into the military. I, um, looking back, the things that I've seen and observed uh, throughout my career, either pertaining within the work environment or kind of directly or indirectly, I could say are troublesome for people to um, absorb uh, and very nonlinear, I would say. Um, but even though the horrors and the joys came, I would. I, I, I never regret it. I'd do it again because I wouldn't be who I am today. Um, so that that being said, done. Um, after my military career, uh, I decided to get into medicine, not to make money, but to actually make a difference. Um, my father had passed away from osteosarcoma in 2007 during one of um, my deployments. And um, it was very hard for me. So, and that's basically what I did. I tried to make a difference, and I invented these little intravenous bubbles. Um, pretty much I'm making no money. I owe no one anything. I don't care if they don't let me publish because I'm not selling to pharma. Um, but I'm very bullheaded on that. I prefer to do good, and this is why I did a 360, you know, in my 30s and went into medical school and did further training. Uh, I, I didn't do it for me. I, I did it for others. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's what we all lack, and that's why I feel like I don't do work. I do 100 things, million different things a day, and it doesn't really feel like work because I enjoy it. Sure. I'm helping someone, um, you know, an immigrant that is going to swear in or someone that wants to extend their visa or a patient, um, you know, that's ill. We're not talking about the kids that are in my cohorts of my lab. I'm saying separately to that or, you know, through my nonprofit organization where I help other Greek Americans. Um, these all things are exactly what I was, like I said before, excited that Trump pushed. Do something that makes you happy or that makes you feel fulfilled. And every day when you wake up in the morning, you look forward to it. Absolutely. And that's key. Um, so um, I don't know how to follow. Well, uh, that really <laughs> um, lays a great foundation for who you are. I, I, I think that now, um, I, I, boy, I don't, I don't know. People should not really have any any questions about about your, your character, your integrity, your intent, your experience, and your knowledge and intellect. I think you covered all that pretty well. So, uh, and by the way, folks, uh, Tori's going to be back with us on Wednesday uh, as well to talk about, uh, what are we talking about on Wednesday, Tori? Healthcare, Healthcare. Medicare, Obamacare, right. and traps that they've set up for our over 65 population. That's right. That's right. Patient scores. Okay. All right. But but today, our, the, the primary topic is in, uh, immigration, yes. illegal. And you heard Michael Cutler, I believe, at least uh, some of what he was talking about. But you've got a, your own perspective based on your experience and your research and such. I, let's, I mean, let's just get started with that. My goodness. There's yeah, so much so, there. I don't. I want people to understand that. Um, yes, Mr. Cutler. I admire him for being in the most important yet psychologically toiling position within Homeland Security, INSU, SCIS. I mean, that position of interviewing, accepting, approving. For me, having seen it overseas, how it practices, and even how we hired our non. 
American interpreters is um, is a very corruptible position because um, anyone that has a job in INS, it tests their loyalty to their country, and they're constantly in an environment of temptation. And I'm pretty sure if Mr. Cutler was here, he'd be like, yes, 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 yes. Um, <laughs> because these are people that, you know, they're not just numbers. These are people. Right. And um, they have stories. Yep. And we are human. And also, not only on that end where we sympathize, but there's the side of the greed where you can fall into non-legal programs <laughs> to help immigrants come in. Um, and what he was saying about people being deported at the door, um, I can say because I am one of the few uh, cleared for the language of grief here, um, in the United States, when they're at the airport and they're denied entry when coming, I'm usually the interpreter telling them that. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's actually increased on people that are overstaying visas. Um, you know, our, our, our immigration problem, our, let's say, illegal alien problem, um, is not just Mexicans, okay? Um, I mean, the border is a problem because it just opens up, you know, to anybody coming in. Right. It's not just... South Americans and Mexicans, okay? It's anybody because they have looser entry rules. But um, there's people that come in here with these, you know, visas um, that are three months, six months, and they overstay, completely overstay. This is this has always been a problem, is my understanding, right? What would Mr. Keller say, 600000 a year? 800000 And then some probably. Yeah. And then some probably. And, you know, with the stimulus that Obama put out of – you know, giving people a $3,000 stimulus to hire in illegal aliens for work in 2015 was just what? Like, who does that? Right. But um, in regards to immigration, I wanted to tell people, this is, like I said, the best discussions are done on the Darknet's IRC. Now, a bunch of- yeah, what do you mean? Okay, because explain to people what you mean. Uh, yeah. I, I know what you mean. But I've never been on the dark web myself. I know he has. Yeah, explain to people, if you don't mind, what, what, well, what that certain- is. Yeah, there's certain chat rooms where people get together and they talk because there nobody can monitor your information. Um, you know, obviously I use VPNs and things like that when I tweet because I'm very sassy <laughs> online um, and I'm very vocal. Uh, but um, everything we do, even putting on our laundry is monitored, okay? We should just take that as fact. That violation happened ages and decades ago. It's not going to change anytime soon. Um, but on the darknet, we get because nobody can see what we're talking about. This is why we have those, you know, um, pedophilia rings, etc. Because those aren't monitored. That's an area where you can actually stay and know that no one's looking, and you can speak freely, exchange information freely. Um, uh, we have a certain group of mensas internationally that we get together and we discuss things, and. Um, and even um, try to uh, find answers like, what's the end game here? What are they doing with this NWO agenda, right? Right. It's a constant debate. But I'll tell you what immigration is, okay? Immigration is just a – the immigration laws that we had that changed after the 1930s were done to legalize human trafficking. I don't think people realize just how 
you know, first we had slaves. Obviously, in the United States, we would bring people that look different to us because it's a, it's it's a, it's science. When something looks different than you, you're scared of it, or you don't acknowledge it as something to be like you. Right. I, I yeah. So, yeah. And so that's a normal reaction to be able to utilize another human being that looks different as a slave because you can dehumanize them easily if they don't look exactly like you. They're not Caucasian or whatever. I mean, this is this is something that we see throughout history. Mm-hmm. Um, though, having said that, on a parenthesis on this, um, we have to understand that history is a very linear way of telling us what went on. But mathematically, human immigration and evolution is not linear. It's extremely chaotic. So when we sit on the darknet trying to find a math problem to a solution, we actually try to apply human immigration um, and we use it as a human system and acknowledge people as nodes to try to figure out a way to mathematically calculate how history doesn't match up with the evolution, not evolution like we came from Homo sapien, Erectus, et cetera, and going on. We're talking evolution in regards to civilization and what we are being told because we weren't there. We just have a book and we have to take their word for it, right? Exactly. Right. That's what history is. So it's not compatible because humans are so chaotic in the way they move. If you look at the nodes, and history is linear because our brains are wired to only understand linear paths. So why I say this is what I want everyone to understand. You need to take everything with a grain of salt. And I want you to understand that human trafficking is not something recent. Uh, this um, human trafficking of children and adults has been going on from when our country was founded. And that's because they utilized the slaves, they saw the slaves were humans, they couldn't dehumanize them anymore, so they just accepted the fact of using immigrants. But how do you get the immigrants on boats without chains and getting, you know, as we were becoming more civilized, behavior is hanging people in the square or, you know, kicking their guts out like they used to was not acceptable. And shackling a woman and making her, you know, mop the floor while you're on it was not acceptable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because as we mature as a, as a civilization and we advance technologically, uh, we we understand we become smarter and we realize that we need to sympathize with everything. This is why we have tree hugger movements and stuff like that. Um, but our immigration policies, keep in mind, human trafficking as a law wasn't done until like recently in the thousands, 2000s. Before that, they were using, um, what is that? Uh, gosh, I'm trying to remember. 1930s, um, it was the 1930s uh, law for, um, uh, for bringing in goods. So people were actually being identified. What is that? It's, it's a commodity uh, for... Um it was like not bringing labored goods from outside of the country in the 1930s. So right. that's how they used to deal with human trafficking under that law when they'd get caught. Right. Okay. okay just so people understand that people were still property. 
So human trafficking has been around, but it's embedded in the high societies. I mean, there was cases like in the 10s and the 30s in Boston. What was it? Um, uh, you know, the Rosewood patients. And if you've ever heard of that case where they would take, you know, those less fortunate, uh, mentally inhibited people, women, and make them prostitutes, slaves, and maids to high society. Right. And we've, we've seen this happen over and over and over again in different uh, circumstances, different venues, different classes and such. But you're right. Yes. Correct. And this is why when the immigration wave started to come in the 1930s, boom. Right. They could sweep them under, um, institutionalize them, take them. No one would know. You know, it, it's kind of like you bring 20, we take two in the high society, if I can say. So it was a legal way of human trafficking. So immigration was always like that. Now, another thing we need to realize is that the laws have evolved um, to, uh, I would say, legitimize human trafficking in many ways, um, but also cutting out our sovereignty, too. So it's kind of bifurcated here, because in the beginning of the 20th century, we were working on bringing in more people to do work. Right. We needed these immigrants to do this work we didn't want to do. But then in the later half, we not we we wanted to release those borders now that we had control. And I'm, me is not me, we. It means the elitist we. Okay? Mm-hmm. They needed to release those borders. And they have conditioned people to the point where, you know, they're not careful when it comes to sovereignty. Sovereignty is the only, it's, it's, it's a concept that is extremely important for any nation is sovereignty. And eradicating borders as we've been doing for the past 70 years, slowly, so that way we accept it, right. uh, allows for full control to whoever was in control in the first place. And, and, and there it is, really, right there. Whoever was in control in the first place. And that slow change uh, of, of eroding our national identity. As Michael Savage says, borders language, language and culture. And this is done at the highest of levels, and it's done intentionally, but over a period of time. People can, they can see the big picture, the, the long-term plan, as you, as you pointed out. Very, very important. Good. It is. It is. It is. It, you have to see it from a macroscopic view. Right. And it's not just happening in the United States. In Europe, we're seeing it a lot more only because the wars that we've engaged in in the Middle East have been the catalyst to speed up the process. I mean, I can tell you from traveling in Europe from a little kid, it's been changing year by year. You know, um, the demographics have changed. Um, The borders were being erased. I, for one, who, you know, am not born in Greece, uh, was more upset that they got rid of the drachmas than normal Greeks were because they were conditioned for it. It's interesting. And, and, and yeah, it, that, that, it's, it, it's interesting. Um, yeah. I'm not sure what that, what would that, what would that tell, tell the, what would that tell an American, basically? It, being, living it is, is you're, you're being conditioned as if, except if you were away from it as an observer you'd be more shocked, perhaps, as opposed to living it. Right, but even in America we see it. I mean, let's be honest, and I'm going to say this, and people may disagree or not, but if Hillary Clinton was elected president, and it's now, what, 
um, July 24th. By now, there would be no Syria, and we will have begun the process of creating the new North American Union currency. And, um, yeah, exactly. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that because that's exactly you – know, we, we lose sight of that, that, that larger picture of what would have happened if – and I think that's so important for people to really get back to and, and, and look at that, that horrifying. Yes, no, no, no. And, and I saw the North American currency coming way before Obama and Trudeau and, you know, the Mexican presidents got together and started enjoying the idea and talking about these one-sided trade agreements that would eventually force us to accept it because it would actually correct what they've done so far in our economy. How did I see it? Medicine. Because the one thing that um, is a variable when, when, when we as humans are looked at as a commodity, like I said, as a mathematical equation, your health is something that is observed first. Because you can't have your worker or your slave or whatever be sick. You need their hands. So what I noticed was that in 2008, they were forcing an implementation of sharing medical data worldwide mm -hmm. on um, and bringing all this data to the cloud. But for me, it was more following the money of where they were putting that exchange of information and where it was being pulled, um, either through the World Health Organization or our CDC. And that kind of cued it. All of our, uh, you know, most of our pharmaceuticals are American but produced in Mexico. All of our vaccines are American but produced in Canada. And, but they're both governed with U.S. laws even though they're in other countries. How do you create that law? Hmm. So there were a lot of weird, nonsensical things appearing in healthcare because, again, we're the commodity, the humans. So what do you need to make sure that the human is available? Sure. Um, and circling back to that, um, you know, I say it and I'm proud to say it. And most of the people that know me say um, that I am tooting it. I was uh, fired from the CDC on my first internship there um, because I actually did my job. <laughs> um, again, following the money. Uh, after I was working on a portion of the Affordable Care Act in regards to non-English speakers, because I advocate for our legal aliens um, to have uh, quality access to health care uh, through using actual uh, medical professionals as interpreters. I mean, you know, you can learn a second language as well as you want. You can't speak health in it, okay? Um so while I was doing that, I got the opportunity to get into uh, the vaccination program. Mm. I was fired six months into it when I thought I did a great job. Um, I was looking into the flu vaccines, and I um, made my recommendations, you know, obviously being so low on the, on the board in regards to scientific background. They just assumed that I, I would just do a kind of very broad but not in-depth report. Right like everyone else, and I told them the uh, vectors that we're using, which are porcine cells, the uh, porcine cells, which are pork, would, um, uh, the way they were putting um, retroviral um, DNA, um, retroviral products, let's just say, 
and other molecular, oh, how do I say this without, mm-hmm. let's just say with other stuff that uh-huh. can rewrite your DNA. How's that? Okay. Um, I said that that would make us, you know, prone to getting zonic, you know, diseases. And I said I don't recommend us using pork cells in this batch of flu vaccine. This is in 2008. Okay. And when I submitted the report, I was told, great job. Wow, how'd you do that? And, you know, I actually was thorough. And then the next Monday when I went to the office, uh, there was a security guard with a box waiting for me and said, thank you very much. Um, And, 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 folks, think about what she just said. Hey, great job. How'd you figure that out? How did you figure Goodbye. There's your stuff. And, yeah, we're going to escort you out of the building. See and that know. was the last time they published it, yeah. yeah. They never published vaccination content after that year. Okay. So my report was actually used. Um, so, yeah, then we saw an outbreak in what? Pig flu, because we used pork cells. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that makes me wonder, too. Um, and we're using it a lot on immigrants, too. Our Im- immigrants are the population that's targeted for most of these experimental medical, it's kind of like a white coat project that they had in the 50s that they did with military. Yeah. Yeah. I want everyone that's listening to remember the last time they went to the hospital and got themselves a tetanus shot. And Remember, just like recently, though, in the past four years, remember how they pushed the triple shot, not just the tetanus. They wanted to give you whooping cough and some, you know, and they pushed it. And you accept it. But now I want you to sit down and remember how many times your nurse scanned the barcode on that actual vaccine before she gave it to you. Because this is how we separate cohorts. When you do an experiment, need to track every single information and put it on every single database. I want you guys to be very aware for those taking your children, yourselves, or your parents. Just pay attention to how many times they're going to hand scan it if you're in the ER or have it done through the computer before they give it to you. It's very important that people have their eyes open. Okay. Again, targets are immigrants the most because all of them are given a, you know, round of specific types when they come in, right? My husband is an immigrant. He's a legal immigrant from the United Kingdom. And when he came, he had to, you know, do the whole chest x-ray thing and get a bunch of vaccinations. Okay. So what are you saying here? And I know now, now folks, um, our guest is under agreements. The contracts, contractual agreements, so we have to be kind of careful. But what are you saying here? What's what's taking? What's really going on here? So we have a country that used slaves, was reprimanded for using slaves, decided to increase immigration and then make it legal. And when so that's one arm because you have to remember there's multiple variables here. Okay. Those who started the control, right? Right. So that's one arm of it. Because remember, how do you control your commodity? Through health. If they're healthy, they work. If you don't need them, then you don't need them healthy. So then we have the other arm that's trying to control health. Mm. We have to be very careful, especially, okay, 
Wow. Everybody, everybody talks about Obamacare, right? Obamacare did this. Obama, Obamacare wasn't the first time they pushed to create a universal health care system, guys. Can you guys remember when the first time we saw Obamacare with another name? Yeah, it was in the 90s with Hillary Care. Yes, thank you. Someone who says it. I tweeted that and people were like, you don't know what you're talking about. I was thinking, darn, so many uninformed people. Hillary Clinton did. And before that, Nixon tried it. Absolutely. And they started to create the foundations for these legislations on how to control people's health. Right, right. And and I just, you know what, let me just stop you right there. Folks, understand what our guest, Dr. Tori Lindemann, is talking about. This is... This is this is for all the marvels. This is the big picture for crying out loud. Um, if you have to go back and listen, but uh, I just had to really throw that. There's portion. two arms, right? Immigration, because it, that's the that's, key point. We need the yeah. immigration to then have the other controller, there because the immigration is the commodity. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Go, go, go ahead, ma'am. I, I'm sorry. I, uh, it, it looks like the looks like we're, we're as we get her back. Okay. So we got twenty. Do you see this glass? Yeah, he said. Do you see this glass? And I said yes. He goes, one drop is what makes it spill over. So no matter how insignificant or small you feel in this world, you could be that one drop, and just try to do your best. And I believe that our country is full of amazing people, because again, it's only a handful of people that have done this whole chain going down, creating these laws. Again, Nixon, we're going Eisenhower. I can go farther back. Okay? This is why they knocked Kennedy out. Right. Okay? And we also need to remember that every single United States president is related, except for that Dutch guy and Trump. Remember that. Even Obama, yes, Obama, is related to every single, genetically related to every single president before him. Can you guys let that sink in? Isn't it weird how us tinfoil hatters are now actually the ones with truth? Because what what was it that the devil will ridicule you to make you not believe he's there so that he can control you? That's right. So, you know, this is what we're going at. People with facts are tinfoil hatters. I mean, some of us are good at articulating things. Others aren't. But we're still saying the same thing. Yes. Again, look at it. We've got the immigration, the commodity coming in. And then we have the control coming in. And we're going all the way back to Eisenhower, who started it all. Okay. And trickling down. Hillary failed Hillary Care. Guys, it was the same thing as Obamacare. She failed miserably. And I remember... I was a kid, but I was paying attention. I even remember turning around to my mom and saying, is this, like, not what they had in the Soviet Union? Didn't we just make them, like, stop doing that? Why are we doing it? And she was like, why are you even bothering with this? But it was kind of like I was baffled. Like, But to what end, Tori, to what end here? Now, uh, I asked that question with full knowledge of what you're going to say and, and what we've been talking, what you've been talking about. I have been listening. But at the end of the day here, when you talk about immigration, illegal and otherwise, and, and how it overlaps into healthcare, and you're coming back on Wednesday to join us about healthcare, 
to what end here are we talking about? We're talking about total global control, total population control, are we not? I mean, exactly. I mean, yeah. they've already started in countries that have foundations that are eons old. Right. It, we're the last one standing because they've conditioned us in a way. This is why they can't fathom that Donald Trump became president because this is the only election we actually voted in. <laughs> this is the only election because they couldn't rig it well enough. They cheated and they still lost. So then saying, oh, she had 60-some million and Trump had 60-some No, I think Trump had like 200 million and she had like five. Okay. I'm, I'm just saying they cheated hardcore. This is why they're not providing the voter records. And mind you, obviously through discussion, through the our you know darknet IRC, um, I had an aha moment. I know why we have so many illegal aliens and legal aliens voting. And I think I sent you the link. Did you get it with my husband's stuff? Yes. Yes. So so apparently voter rolls are collated through our DMV. The DMV has the responsibility, but it's not enforced by law by right. states. It's, it's privy to state because every um, uh, Department of Motor Vehicles of every state uh, carries certain information. Your um, driver's license could have a Social Security number, and it might not. You know, everyone has their own state regulations. But one thing that they're supposed to be doing and they're not doing is indicating if you're a citizen or not. So what happens is you get these packed voter rolls with people that are legal immigrants, right, green card holders. And illegal immigrants, because now we're giving them driver's licenses, too. So, Motor voter, by the way. Just just want to remind everybody. Go ahead. Yeah, so I actually brought that to many attorney general. uh, uh, You know, uh, I made it aware to them because last year during the elections, I kind of wanted to just check, you know, is this voter fraud thing for real? Because they were talking about how, you know, oh, Hillary's going to hack the election to win, right? Because that was the idea, if we all remember. It was never right. that the Russians are helping Trump. It was that the DNC will hack it because they just ousted Bernie. They, like, burned, like, 8 million of his votes, if you remember. Oh, yeah. The whole room was, like, gone. So they're obviously capable of changing my vote, right? Right. So I was like, let me just check. So I put my husband's name in the state that we lived in and then just randomly in other states, Right. Some of the states requested date of birth and name. Others just requested social security number and name or just last name and social. And I sent you that link. Yep. My husband was not only registered to vote, but he was registered as a Democrat. Just let that sink in. And, and how many, just curious, how many states? It was 15 altogether. But mm. the thing is, I couldn't cross-reference because they wanted driver's license, so he would pop up. Sure. But in order to complain, I needed to give a driver's license number, which I didn't. But I'm assuming that these identities have been created already. So they're using our legal immigrants that are not exercising their right to vote as voters and registering them at the party that, of their choice, of course, which is the DNC. Right. Which, if, if you just, folks, uh, just let that. You can show them the the thing because I yeah. have it on. Um, it was circulating on Reddit. I had put it up, and then other people were stealing it and putting it up. I had tweeted it to news networks. I had called all the state's attorneys to make sure that they knew that my husband has never voted because you know when he renews his green card, that's automatic deportation. It if is. you are a resident alien and you vote, you're out. The minute you go for application, the first thing they check is has he voted. 
That's the first thing we check. So Obama urging illegal immigrants to vote before the election and then doubling down and saying, oh, it's not like, you know, we go through the voter rolls and look for uh, people who aren't citizens. You know, you have nothing to worry about. That wasn't even true. Well, they thought they won. Right. They thought they had it in the bag because they had fudged it enough based on previous statistics. Okay? And it's almost like um, the uh, the mob running a club as a business, doing what you're saying, you know, with the, with the kind of cooking the books. And, uh, uh, but they are. And then ownership changes, and the records are left there. The only, the only thing left to do is burn the place down, I mean, to get rid of the evidence. But, but go ahead. Yeah, and that's what they're doing now. Right. Exactly what they're doing now. But unfortunately for them – Here's the thing. Our president right now has his work cut out for him because we're talking about a deep state that everyone keeps saying deep state that goes back to Eisenhower. Correct. These foundations, these laws, these ways, these these um, ideas have been slowly stacked throughout the decades. Like I said, Hillary Clinton, right? Clinton care. She failed. People wouldn't buy it, right? Because then there was some independent media. And people were just off the Reagan train, you know, <laughs> the Bush train. And so, you know, um, it, they didn't buy it. But what did Bill Clinton do? He laid the laws down right. to make Obamacare happen. He, he wrote the laws that said, you know, you um, cannot sue a pharmaceutical company if you get damage from vaccines. Like, why would you do that? If they're safe for you and you force us to have them, we should be able to ask for remedy if we get injured. Right. So keep that in mind. You know, there's a lot of people, oh, this, this, and no, this is beyond what you can see. Even the people that are around Trump that are like, oh, yes, Mr. Trump, President Trump is the best. And, you know, there's a few of them. And, I, you know, they're the snakes that are smiling. Um, there's a lot of them around him, and he's starting to shed them quickly. And, you know. And we're going to see a lot of people like Kid Rock around him soon. Yeah, well, exactly. And, and, and this is where, okay, this is where, um, the, and just as an aside, I talked about this on my on my own show this morning. Uh, this is where I think the uh, Scaramucci Spicer uh, entrance and exit kind of comes into play. But but that's uh, I, I reference that only because what he, what, I, what I see happening there is out with the Was- Washington D.C. Beltway. And in with the inner circle New York uh, elements. He's also much better at his job than Spicer. Well, it, it, yeah, but it's more about allegiance and protection than it is about uh, performance. But that's just my belief. But how that relates to what you're talking about. Um, oh, my goodness. This is well, so deep. Look, the thing is that Sessions is, is actually – a very confusing individual. <laughs> he is <laughs> going you. after the gravy train. Yeah. Okay. He's targeting these human trafficking networks. Right? He's put out three new laws. Yep. You see a lot of arrests every day. So he's a little bit confusing, and I don't have any firsthand knowledge. And but, what people tell me I don't take is, you know, face value anyway. But, but, but he's confusing. Let's see. Okay. And, and if I can just extend this conversation, because we didn't script this out, but if I can extend this conversation, you're talking about human trafficking. Uh, I, it's my belief that human trafficking, like we saw 
um, in in the the, uh, the despicable uh, conditions, bringing the the the, the deaths of nine plus people in Walmart parking lot in a truck today. Hand in hand with that is the human sex trafficking rat lines, these sex trafficking of children, and that brings to mind Pedagate, which also is related to Pizzagate, which is, oh, of course, nothing but just this nothing conspiracy that people just imagine. But but really, you, what you're saying, if I'm if I'm hearing this correctly, Pizzagate is really one element of a larger mosaic which involves um, <laughs> human trafficking. Um, it's all bundled, yes. Yeah, and everything's interconnected. It's like it's like gears within gears within gears. But sessions, see, since you brought up sessions, people are asking, well, why aren't people like... Uh, uh, Podesta et al. doing perp walks. Why isn't there? Why aren't there investigations taking place? Um, at that, you know, the low hanging fruit, not a problem. The bigger perp walks, non-existent. Why? Well, I'll speak from my expertise on this one. Okay. Uh, human trafficking is not just the sex slaves or the cheap labor, because you know, I have colleagues that have blood boys. Do you know what a blood boy is? I'm unfamiliar. Do tell. Hmm? Do tell. Yeah, we need to know. Okay, so blood boys are, and I've seen them do it, you know, in a work environment where they sit down. They literally get blood transfusions from younger individuals. Okay. So healthy. Right. Blood boys, blood girls. Um, the amount of stuff that actually goes on, and people just do this and put blinders on and close their ears, and it's kind of, okay, I'm going to tell you what I see from a healthcare perspective. When I see a child that's 12 years old that comes in that's an immigrant and has a missing kidney, <laughs> you know, or when I'm at the, you know, northern Iraq and everyone's saying, Saddam's such a bad person, he did all this, yet the Turkish people are harvesting organs from all the Kurds. Double standard, really? Um, you know, who's buying these? You know, uh, you know, I can delve into that one, too, because we all know Qatar is being sanctioned for not providing um, financial records. And we all know, and it was public knowledge, that in August and September of 2016, Obama and Hillary bought brand new houses in Qatar. Yes, ma'am. And where's the money coming to fund Kurds and ISIS and Turkish people from? Qatar, so Trump is throwing a big wrench in a lot of things. And like I said, there's arms, right? Yep. So first is the human trafficking arm, which is masked as immigration. This is why we're allowing illegal immigration. That lets us have access to more product yep. without anybody claiming it. And there, there it is. It's twisted indeed, and, and people... Um, I, I don't want to go too far here. People will say, well, if... If this was true, if, for example, oh, just, I'm going to use this as a hypothetical. Well, if, if children were being killed in snuff films or whatever, or organ harvesting, where are the victims? Which they are. If you go on the dark net, you see it all the time. Absolutely. I, I, I get that. Yeah. Like, where, uh, where are the victims? Like with the, uh, say this truck in San Antonio was never found with the nine dead bodies in it. What would happen to those dead bodies when, when they got to where they're going? Dumped, used for parts if they were viable. You'll be surprised how many things are being reused. 
You know, folks, we are not talking to a um, just anyone here. We are talking with uh, a person who, who her resume is just is unbelievable. Um, I mean, it's incredible. She's she's um, go back to the beginning of the show. Yeah, it's like it's like it's very hard to just. I want people to understand that immigration is human trafficking. Yet. We, the people, see it as a way of, you know, injecting the economy with skilled labor workers, et cetera. You know what? If that was the case, then why are why is it cheaper for my laboratory to hire a nurse from the Philippines than it is an American? Yeah, explain that. Uh, you- right? So, yeah. So if I hire a nurse, okay, and thank gosh I don't do it because I'm the boss. So all I do is put signatures, and I'm the one compiling data and telling people off when things are skewed. Um, but there's people, the actual people that privately funded this, that have appointed people to do this. But what's weird is I remember getting documents and thinking, well, why are we getting these Filipino nurses? Oh, they're like, we'll make 75000 for each of them. I was like, what? They're like, yeah. We don't have to pay for this. We get a credit for not having to use Obamacare. We don't have to this. We don't have to that. You know, nothing. And I was thinking, what? No, I want Americans. And then I'm forced to have people, if I want it to be academically based, that are that are in the Saudi education programs to work on stuff. And it's like, well, why? We have American students that need this information, that need to learn. You know, this is America. You know, I'm an immigrant, too. Immigrants should get opportunities. Don't get me wrong. But are they in America already? Why are we just bringing them over to get the knowledge and what? Leave? Just like Cutler said, we're teaching them to be nuclear, you know, scientists, and then they leave. You, you know what? Um, our, our guest is Dr. Tori Lindemann. Uh, we've only got about five minutes left of the program. We've danced around. Folks, we've danced around a lot of information because we've, we had to, because of we we have to obviously, but it's, I, I think they understand them. I, I I I know they do. Our audience is really smart, uh, intelligent. I, I, you're going to have to come back specifically for this and other topics. But in the in the remaining five moment, five minutes we have left, um, to take it wherever you want to take it because this to me is perhaps one of the deepest discussions about the deep state we've ever had. Here's if, a discussion. And I want to leave people thinking about this because I saw someone in the chat putting it up. Do you guys, okay, we all know that the Clinton memo is to get you suicided or you're murdered, right? That's the going theory. That deep state takes you out by suiciding you or whatever. Isn't it a coincidence how John McCain was told on July 14th that he needs to answer of where this fusion GPS dossier, who paid for it, where he got it from, and suddenly he has brain cancer. Maybe. Just oh, I'm just saying, thought, thought, thought. I'm just saying this, is, this is touchy, but we need to be radical on this. And like I said, I'm very, very, very sassy on this. We have to look at the timing. 14th, he says, he was, off, he was told, and that kind of flew under the radar, you need to account for this Fusion GPS dossier that you got. He said, I'm going to go back and get my just annual checkup. It's no big deal. Next thing you know, he's got a blood clot behind the eye. Next thing you know, his brain surgery. Whoa, that escalated quickly. And next thing you know, he has brain cancer. Nothing to see here. John McCain either. Because, you know, when Bush is sick, we're in the room videotaping him, right? In the bed. Right. We see McCain? Did he have surgery? I'm just saying I'd like to leave people with that thought. To just kind of see... 
where we're at because John, we all know that the Fusion GPS co-founder already fled the country, so now we can't get them. We have no idea where Rob Goldstone is, so we're never going to get to the bottom of that. And, and do you realize? And did you have you seen the graphic? Have, have people seen the graphic of the, of the media involved with Fusion GPS? All of the media. I mean, it's it's yeah. amazing. Yes, and nobody's looking. You know, Loretta right. Lynch overrode her visa denial. Loretta Lynch wired, like, she tapped Manafort's phone on the day of the meeting, so she heard everything. They already have audio of the meeting. There's records. She did that. She, the FBI even sent an interpreter of their own. So it's like, not a setup, really? You've been sitting on this information for 16 months and you pull it out of your hat right now? Isn't that interesting, huh? Let's just put it one and one together, and now the Fusion GPS co-founder left. McCain has been brain cancered, but we haven't seen him. And being someone that works with kids that have bone cancer, I don't take cancer lightly. Right. Okay? And, and, and you're right. Uh, real quick here, and, and I know you can answer this in about 10 seconds. We have uh, we have somebody that sent, sent an email. Since when are organs, uh, organs from heat stroke victims viable? This is re- relating to the, the truck. What's wrong with that question? Okay, no, there's nothing wrong with that question. You're right. But um, it's not just, you know, organs like a heart that we're looking for or lungs. There right. could be a limb that we want or a finger or skin from cadavers for skin grafts. Even a tendon. Or a piece of liver to attach to another one. You know, um, there are ways that you can repurpose human remains or use them for studies or... Other Abramovich type things. Yeah, exactly. And thank you for that. And by the way, I didn't. Had I read the last line of this of this emailer, that'll be the last time that I, I ever ever uh, have you use a question from you. Um, our guest could could run circles and, and does run circles around you. Don't ever write to me again. By the way, and I apologize because I I, I just I, I don't I don't I, I don't deal with stupid very well. Uh, or or obscenity very well. Anyway, uh, this is so fascinating. I mean, unbelievable. I think we've talked more about the deep state without really, I mean. Mm-hmm. Without really talking about it, yeah. Because we're understanding exactly what immigration is. And like I said, hats off to Cutler, who had the patience and kept his head down, no matter what he probably saw, if he saw. Because, you know, they're very good at just making sure that only certain people see things. Well, well. You're, okay, you're going to come back uh, Wednesday when we talk about healthcare. But yes, and anyone who has people over 55, please have them listen because this is going to be very important information. Oh man, I'll tell you, talking with her today, did I learn a lot uh, off air? Um, and we're going to have you back as well to talk more about your observations in other areas. We'll leave it yeah. at that. You are just fantastic. I mean, Dr. I Tori Lindemann is our oh. guest. And we have reached the end of the show. Until next time, stay safe. God bless. Have a great evening. We'll be back tomorrow. Thank you so much. God bless. Thank you. What a great time. That was great.